Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. And I'm Zach McCoy. And we are your Oscar Grouches. And now we are going to be bringing you something a little bit different once a week. We are going to be discussing the oeuvre of everybody's favorite Oscar bridesmaid and knower of what is cinema, Martin Scorsese, in a segment we are going to be calling Thursaysy. Yeah, I like it. I do too. <laughs> so uh, we're just going to jump in here. And we're going to be going through his entire filmography, starting from the beginning. We're going to be including any kind of short films and documentaries that we can find. We're going to link them up with the years that we will be covering on the podcast. Some of those years won't match up, so we're going to be doing them in off years. Yeah. Uh, we decided to jump right in with his directorial debut film, Who's That Knocking at My Door? Wonderful. From 1967. And Zach, is this your first time watching? It is my first time watching. Mine too, honestly. So we're going to go Oscar first. He's on that one. Excellent. Yeah, it's, it's one that I'd somehow every once in a while big lots gets these dumps of movies that uh, i got this and um alice doesn't live here anymore which we'll be talking about soon also both from big lots for a dollar like a dollar fifty yeah i think i got this alice doesn't live here anymore mean streets and something else in a box set together nice and uh, over the years, many of my DVDs have gone missing or have been sold off in various moves. And those probably all got bought because I did not see this on my show. Yeah. But uh, much like I do with my Criterion Blu-rays these days, I used to just buy armfuls of DVDs and watch about half of them. Yep. So here we are. So uh, um, can I ask you... Uh, do you have a little bit of background on um, Marty in film school and what he might have been doing at this time? Or uh, yeah. I don't know too much about that, honestly. I, I probably will do some research for that in the next episode because I think we're going to be watching a couple of his shorts. Yeah. From when he was at NYU. Okay. But for the most part, I know he was just a giant film nerd and wanted to make movies. And- Excellent. Here we are. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll get more into the context on that next week. Okay. Uh, I know that this film in particular was one of those write what you know kind of experiments. Yeah. And it was going to be a film about uh, a group of ne'er-do-wells just mm-hmm. kind of hanging out in uh, New York. And it was going to be called Bring in the Dancing Girls. Oh, so all of the segments in this film that you see with uh, J. J.R. Yeah, J.R. Uh, Harvey Keitel's character. Harvey Keitel's character, yep. Uh, hanging out with his friends and them just getting up to no good and doing wild shit. Yeah. Beating people up in the street. <laughs> uh, though that was all the kind of the original concept of this film. Okay. And then Scorsese thought of this uh, love story to kind of complement that side of it and added all that about a year or so later. And that was originally going to be called I call first. Oh, and I think even went to the 1967 Chicago film festival under that title. Oh, okay. And 
it was changed to uh who's that knocking on my door after the the film the song that plays at the very end of the film okay and uh the weird sex scene in the middle of the movie that kind of stands out like a sore thumb was added for <laughs> a, a different uh distributor who yeah. after it went to the Chicago Film Festival said that they needed to throw that in for uh marketing purposes and <laughs> Harvey Keitel of course in those scenes is noticeably older. Yeah. <laughs> um I, that's one thing that you know overall I I really enjoyed taking a look at this movie if I even if I didn't necessarily enjoy it all the time but I wondered if um Thelma Schoonmaker had been editing at this point for him because it didn't have her touch that I'm familiar with but knowing that it was like multiple things put together it's kind of kind of obvious but at the same time I guess she did a really good job at making a single film out of it yeah um, uh, <laughs> yeah she it's 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 interesting it's going to be interesting to watch the two of them grow together yeah because he's so brash and confident on this first film yeah it he's doing things in this film that are completely ripped out of French new wave, mm-hmm. but just are, are decisions that you don't see a lot of first time filmmakers making. Right. He's got a masterful command of the camera. He, he always, he always knows it seemed like from the beginning, what, what shot he wants to get. And he's like, I'm going to do this. And, um, and his, uh, good taste in music is obvious here is an amazing soundtrack. Although, mm-hmm. you know, I think he learns to rein it in a bit as the years go on. This is like one of those things where like, if you're a kid making a YouTube video, let's just put all my favorite songs in here. Right. (laughs) I think he goes up and down with it sometimes because Goodfellas goes kind of crazy with the soundtrack, especially Mm -hmm. him being like, Hey, it's like three decades of film. And (laughs) (laughs) he just loads that soundtrack up. And and that's not to say it's a bad thing, but when, when he knows, when he knows how it's used, it, it's something to listen to. I like it. Yeah. So when you, you mentioned like a, a film, what you know, or write what you know, kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we've kind of, we're establishing his, uh, career long, um, dissection of kind of shitty dudes. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> you know, I, I love that this film is a lot about, uh, male hypocrisy and toxic masculinity and mm-hmm. it's really it's really calling it out yeah uh it, it's shocking to see something from 1967 take such a firm stance against <laughs> against this kind of male attitude yeah because you know this is still kind of an era where that attitude is more celebrated yeah and you know he was going to be a, a a priest at one point right and like yeah. and instead he's making this Kind of movie where you got a guy who uh seems to be wrestling with his own i don't know faith or religious convictions of what he thinks he's supposed to do versus mm-hmm. what he really does and then he projects it on on other people especially women it's like right it seems like a big kind of not f you because he he's still um he's still very very catholic yeah um uh, yeah it it does seem to to take kind of a there's there's a bit of a hypocrisy here that I guess to just kind of put it under a magnifying glass, like it needs to be called out. Someone needs to say something about this. Yeah. 
Harvey Keitel's so good in this. He is. Uh, I I didn't look to see if this was like his first. I believe it is. Yeah, he's a natural right out of the gate. It's pretty crazy. Uh, says he had an uncredited role in another film this year. So yeah, this is his. We'll call this his first film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. Um, the sex scene was really out of place, but even, even so it was filmed really interestingly. And, um, yeah, again, it's very, it's very French new wave. It, yeah. it definitely takes more from the European filmmakers than it does anything that's going on in the U S at this point, you know, new, we're about to kick into new Hollywood and mm-hmm. this really just fits into that landscape. That's coming up with stuff like Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. I also enjoyed them talking about the searchers because, you know, like on Oscar Worsey podcast, we've uh, talked about. I watched it for the first time this year, and like you said, you know, Marty's a film nerd and he's he's shown it off pretty pretty strongly with the dialogue and stuff. So. Yeah, oh, like almost the the opening scene that you get with this couple is <laughs> him going on and on about the searchers, which you know, where we go later becomes unfortunate, but I found very relatable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. I really thought about that until you just mentioned it here, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's Marty injecting himself into the character, which, which, you know, kind of goes to the question of, did he recognize this kind of behavior in himself or did mm-hmm. he, he just tried to put a little bit of personality that other people weren't putting into movies. Cause you know, a lot of people like to give, 90s writers like Quentin Tarantino and Kevin Smith a lot of the credit for coming up like int- introducing this dialogue into film when here's Marty doing it 30 years earlier. Yep. T- 25 whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um no, I was reading a little bit about like you mentioned the Chicago uh, Film Festival and um Roger Ebert there at the beginning, you know, they he'll be a lifelong um Supporter, I think he even has a book just called Scorsese where he writes about all his movies and stuff. So it's really fun for me to look back on this. And, you know, we're we're both huge fans, which is why we're kind of, you know, doing Scorsese. So I'm looking forward to everything that we're going to discover and yeah, find and, out that we haven't already. Yeah, and, and Roger Ebert and him having kind of a lifelong relationship or at least being connected in some way makes a lot of sense because they're both very vocal about uh, film preservation. Mm. Uh, It it was a big thing for both of them. Yeah. Where they wanted film to be kept so that we, we can enjoy it now. And, you know, things like the criterion collection exist because of guys like Scorsese and Ebert. So, yeah. So, you know, their their careers being so intertwined is it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So it it was um thinking about the movie itself, you you talked about, you know, the toxic masculinity and, and, and stuff. It's it is a very in your face kind of movie. Um everything's just laid out there. Uh and it's rough. Uh it's it's the kind of things we'll we'll be talking about more in movies to come that he's mm-hmm. kind of setting his style and I am glad with the, you know, the way it, it ended and, you know, it not being like, this is an okay kind of thing. And, and it makes me respect him all the more Yeah, that, that he was like this from the start. The, 
the hypocrisy and the attitude towards uh oh i'm forgetting the character oh i don't think she has a name girl Zena uh, bethune's character yeah girl uh <laughs> she you know, she she tells him the story about how she was raped and he doesn't believe her. Yeah. And when he comes back to her after that, he forgives her. God. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it, when I was I was sitting there for a minute, I was like, I was struggling with why didn't she just explain that to him? But I was like, it's not her job. It should be known if the audience is watching this and doesn't get it. That's a problem. Yeah. Um, especially when we're shown this horrifically violent scene yeah like yeah. it is it, that was a very uncomfortable watch it was um <laughs> it was very uncomfortable but again props to him for you know capturing that in such a way um yeah because uh, you know things like again things like that weren't weren't on screen at this point because right. we're we're here in the dying days of the Hayes code so yeah Rape might be mentioned, but you know something like anatomy of a, a murder, which really goes into a lot of talk about rape. Right. A couple decades earlier, or a decade or so earlier, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't show you anything. Right. They talked you know, I, about it. I was surprised. Uh, I didn't expect there to be any, you know, nudity or anything in the movie. Um, I think uh, we're just a few years past breasts being shown. <laughs> yeah. Things. So it's. Right in the thick of it with the new Hollywood, like you said. I mean, I mean, isn't he considered one of the like the key players in New Hollywood? Yeah, he he's was the the brat pack or the, something. What the they movie call brats, uh, the movie brats, which were which were guys like him and Spielberg, who were uh, John Milius, who were all raised on cinema, mm-hmm. and their the language of cinema is pretty much all they know. So they have this high reverence for for filmmaking and it's just kind of why they're all so good at it. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this was a much stronger debut than I was expecting because, you know, a lot of people talk about mean streets, which I think is the next film we're talking about. No boxcar birth is the next one. Okay. Uh, but a lot of people talk about mean streets and they kind of skip this and boxcar birth over. And so I just always kind of assumed that it was going to be, you know, Scorsese fumbling around with the camera until he figured out how to get to Mean Streets. And even the tagline that you have on IMDb for this was Mean Streets is a few years away or something like that. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, you know, not really fair. No, it's really not. This, it's it's a good film. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's not great yet, but it's getting there. Yeah, he knows what he's doing already. And I mean, even Spielberg, like Duel, is a really good film. But I don't know if it's as strong as this. Yeah. And people talk about Duel all the time. It's it's good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like like I said earlier about the editing, I think, you know, like you said, they'll they'll grow together, him and uh, Shoemaker. Um, I think that's the only thing holding it back. Like if, if it were edited a little differently or if they hadn't filmed multiple things over the course of a couple of years, it's, I don't know. But... All the same, like you said, it's a really strong debut. Um, he's sharpening his teeth, sharpening his knives, and we go from there. I'm excited to see where we go from here. Me too. All right, so we're going to get into our worsty judgments.
which I guess is only going to be one because we'll be discussing what deserves best picture on the main show. So I guess our one worsty judgment we're going to have for now until we think of something else or anybody else wants to try to give us a, a second question to ask, uh, you know, tweet at us. Zach. Yes, sir. Is this Scorsese's worst film? You know, I'm looking at my rankings right now. And if we're talking strictly as a director, we won't mention Shark Tale. Um, well, well, let, let me go back. Because, okay. you know, on, on the main show, we, we just base it off what we've watched so far. Okay. Based on what we've watched so far, <laughs> is this Scorsese's worst film? Okay. Thank you for putting it that way. That's, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, based on what we watched so far, I guess it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a stinker. Yeah. Our, this is the worst Scorsese film we have watched on this show so far. Oh, and, man. Um, I'm, I'm really sad to have to say that. Yep. Um, uh, I'm excited to get into this and I'm excited to find out, I guess what his worst film is, or at least what his worst film according to us is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Zach, where can people find you? They can find me on Critiker at Zach master X A K K M A S T E R or on TikTok, house havoc. How about you, Paul? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Letterboxd, where I will be keeping a running list of the films we watch here. So please go look at that. At Father of the Fear, across all platforms. And what are we watching next week, Zach? Next week, we're visiting some of Marty's shorts, a couple NYU uh, projects. I know you said Big Shave. Uh, what's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this? Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. And those are not really readily available somewhere. I think I've seen the big shave on YouTube somewhere, but um, it comes and goes. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, they're in your Criterion collection. There. Uh, a disc called Scorsese Shorts, which has five films. We will be covering all of them over the course of this. Uh, not all together. All right. All right. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We'd like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. Mm-hmm. You can follow the show on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Pod and on Facebook at the Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty rhythm of Al Gore. The rhythm, the rhythm. For Zach and myself and good old Marty, I'd like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs>